Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. So today we're going to talk about bearing true north. Bearing true north. Proverbs 21 and 21, we are heading, if you will, today. He that follows after righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. And in addition, on our opening, Psalm 68, or 63 and 8, my soul follows hard after you. Thy right hand upholdeth me. My soul follows hard after you, and your right hand upholds me. So today our subject again will be bearing true north. Pray with me today. God, I thank you for an opportunity to bring your word, for this special privilege to hear your word. I pray you would open our hearts and our minds, God, that we might be altered by your word today, that we can hear your admonishment, your correction, and your love today. God, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Bearing true north. So a bearing, as we get started, the situational or horizontal direction of one point in reference to another or on the compass. We also use similar, similar words when we say heading. So which direction are you heading? What's your heading? What's your bearing? What direction are you traveling at this moment. You could say, I'm headed home, I'm heading out, I'm heading here, or I'm heading there. You could also interchange that to, my bearing is home. My bearing is home. We see this as an intention of your actions with the direction you're facing. Where will you end? With the direction you're heading, where will you end? Well, at the end of the workday, I can tell you my heading is south, and at the end of that, I will end home. Home. So reading a small excerpt from the United States Geological Survey says, True North is a fixed point on the globe. The North Pole, if you will. Magnetic North, however, is quite different. Magnetic North is a direction that changes. It's a direction that your compass, compass needle points to as it aligns with the Earth's magnetic field. Most places on the Earth's surface, these two do not intertwine. Magnetic North and True North, in most places do not point the same direction. The deviation of your compass to point to true north is an angle called declination or magnetic declination, as we will refer to it today. It's a quantity that's been a nuisance for many, many people for many, many years because depending on where you are and the time that you're there, these things can change. So, for instance, in Bedford, Indiana, you would have to set your compass 4.5 degrees west. So you look at your compass, you pull out your phone, unless you change the settings to point to true north, which I'm assuming you haven't because that doesn't really matter with the directions that we look at it. But 
you would have to point at 4.5 degrees west from where we are currently. In Seattle, Washington, you'd have to point at 15 and a quarter degrees east. All right, so the magnetic, the, the point that your compass will point to, the direction your compass will point is 15 and a half degrees off. In Seattle, it's four and a half degrees off here in Bedford, or there in Bedford, if you will. The reason this is so important, it sounds mundane, it sounds ridiculous as we're getting started, is because if you follow magnetic north only, you will get lost. Absolutely, you'll get lost eventually. In our study today, we're going to equate magnetic north to our emotions, to our flesh, to the things that pull us and draw us away from true north. And true north today will be the word, will be God, and will be such things as that, that point us to life, as our opening scripture says, that points us to life everlasting, to heaven, to our true home, right? Today, my hope is that we can learn to navigate together through this life through our flesh. We can navigate better together, not in the natural, but in the spiritual. I'm not here to teach you how to navigate a compass this morning. I'm the least uh, able to do that. But we'll draw from God's examples in his word, and we will parallel those things. We'll parallel what God has given us, and we will parallel his word, and we will learn spiritually from the natural that's around us. As we talk today, I don't want you to be focused so much on the natural. We'll talk a lot about it, but I want you to consistently be searching yourselves as we go today. What does this mean to me in the spiritual? What is, what is it that's pulling me? What is it that's drawing me elsewhere? What is it that's pulling me away from God's Word? What is it that's pulling me to, from being in the house of God? What is it that's drawing me out of alignment with Him? If you travel in a direction you think to be true north, the further you travel the greater the divide comes from where you should be and where you are. From where you think you want to be and where you really need to be. Ensuring that your heart follows true north is crucial. We have to continually read God's word. We have to pray. We have to listen. We have to fast. And we have to show more and more each day that our spiritual health is much more important than our physical desires. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? My heart will mislead me. Your heart will mislead you many, many times. I search, I the Lord search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. There's no doubt we've all been there before. We've been caught up in emotion, we've been caught up in feelings, we've been caught up in all these things, and then we've come to ourselves and realized, what happened? How did I end up here? How did I end up struggling with this? I never struggled with this before. Why? Why is it I'm so far off course, if you will? What happened? Where did I start to err? We get tunnel vision, and we begin to get anxious. We begin to get nervous. We begin to be fearful. We begin to, to lust. We begin to long. We begin to do all these things, and we get tunnel vision, and we forget we have to adjust to ourselves. We have to take God's word and adjust our hearts to where it lines up with our heads. Amen. We're human, and at times, that's just simply part of the relationship our heart and our head have. My heart wants to go this way, but my head knows you shouldn't go that way. My head says, we definitely cannot go there. And the heart is like, but it looks like so much fun. We have this, this back and forth, this tug of war that we want to go there. We long to go there. It's bright. It's flashy. It's nice. But the head is like, no, nah, I don't like it. It doesn't line up. I don't want to go. 
We live in a time that values feelings and emotions more than logic and reasoning and knowledge, which is opposite of proper alignment. Have you ever felt that to be the truth? You feel something in your heart and you just know it's not right. You have to reason it. You have to align it. You have to say, this, this emotion that I'm feeling currently does not align with what I know to be true. You feel insecurity creep in, and you know, God values me. He loves me. He cares for me. And I know these feelings of insecurity, these, these feelings of, of feeling less are not true in God's word. Romans seven twenty one and 3. I find then a law. When I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity, the law of sin, which is in my members. In Bishop's commentary on this verse, he says, obviously, and I'm quoting, obviously we're wrestling with laws that seek to prevail in our lives. The law is under consideration in the respect of power of authority, which seeks to be the dominant voice in our life. End quote. All these laws, all these things of my mind, of my members, the law of God, the law of sin, all these things are seeking to have control. In my mind, in your mind, in your hearts, they're seeking to grab the steering wheel, if you will. They're seeking at all times to try to take over and be the one leading. Bishop outlines also in this that there is a law in my members of my mind, a law of God, and a law of sin. Those four members, we've touched on this before, but we're going to hit it again. These laws are consistently at work in our lives. They're always looking to get the, the, the hand up on the other competition. For instance, the law of God is always going to pull me towards life and righteousness every time. That never changes. The law of sin will always pull me in the opposite direction, towards death. The law of your members and the law of your mind is up to you. Whatever I teach my mind, whatever I teach my members is true, it'll behave that way. Whatever you teach them to do through prayer, through fasting, through Bible study, or through lewdness, laziness, slothfulness, it'll do. Whatever direction we point them, they will follow. We get upset sometimes, at least I do. I get upset sometimes when my emotions get the best of me. I'm like, where? It learned that from me. It learned to get upset from me. It learned to get out of control from me. So I need to align it a little more with God's word. When I tell it not to be anxious, when I tell myself not to be fearful, when I tell myself not to get tunnel vision, then it won't. It will pull me back to God's law. We must navigate spiritually based on what we know much more than what we feel. So we're going to look at two applications of how the heart and the mind can either work in tandem or in opposition of one another. Genesis 3 and 6, you can probably guess which one we're doing first. When the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband which was with her and he did eat. For just one moment, which is plenty of time, Eve allowed her eyes and her heart and her belly to vastly outweigh and overrule her mind. She let emotions, sight, and desire to overrule what she knew to be fact. She allowed something to pull her away from what she knew towards something she desired. 
I'd venture to say we've all had a moment of temptation like that last week when we were on our fast. Did anybody else? Every single thing you saw was the most appetizing, delicious thing you had ever seen. My wife, you don't, may not know, but my wife and I deliver Grubhub occasionally just for some extra money. And this is not a paid advertisement. But <laughs> we do it on occasion. And we made a, a, a semi-mistake of doing it while we were fasting. Oh, heavens, that's so hard. Every restaurant I walked into, I could just feel my jaw drop. That Whopper looks so good. But every, it was, and, and, and you'll reason every time, at least I do. I see it, I'm like, I mean, if I eat just one meal, I'm still fasting two. Or if I fast two days, I mean, I can break one. God will understand. No, don't. Snap into it. That's where in these moments, those desires and your flesh and your emotions and this pull will pull you away from what you know to be true. Now, hopefully you made the decision, as I did, very carefully and toughly to open your heart, open your spirit to God's interceding through fasting. We know that a moment of hunger and fasting works to open your situation to the supernatural like nothing else. So in that moment, that empty belly was far outweighed by what God will do through fasting because it's training your members. No, no, because my spiritual health is much more important than my physical health. I will long for this, and I will, like, I will cease from it to, in order to open God into my circumstance. In his commentary on Genesis, Bishop points to a writing from William Hastings on this verse, and I'm going to read a segment of it. I quote, A beautiful gate it is that opens unto ruin, a well-shaped, well-painted, and the word welcome is illuminated in vivid letters. We've all eaten of this tree, and we all eat of it every day. An action promises pleasure, therefore we do it. When we do it, a man or any... When we did ever... Um, sorry. When did ever a man do anything because it looked hard, uninviting, and severe? But rather, when did he eat much bitter aloes? His temptation did not lie in that direction, but contrary. It lies when... It lies when the tree is pleasant to the eyes that he rushed upon it with suicidal frenzy. You may lead him like a sheep to the slaughter. Now every appetite of man points in the direction of pleasure and every appetite bleeds to be satisfied. To satisfy it and yet control it is a supreme trial of life. It cries, give, give. And if you give it one inch of undue liberty, it will drag you down to the chambers of death. End quote. What an, a sobering reminder to keep our appetites and our pleasures and our activities under subjection. That they don't rule us, but we rule them. We keep them in subjection. Not allowing our pleasures and our appetites to be our guide on this journey, but rather to be a small, small piece of this journey. Making sure that Magnetic North has not overtaken and pointed us in a direction that is different than true north. We must continually reset our hearts and check ourselves to assure that our flesh has not overtaken our bearing. That the pulling and drawing of our flesh has overshadowed our spiritual integrity. In this instance, magnetic north or the flesh, in Eve's case, was allowed to overtake truth. 
She let her desires, her appetites, and the things that she was allowing to pull her and to entice her to overrule everything she knew. Now, to the better news example. Numbers 13 and 2. Now let's look at how the heart and the mind can work in tandem. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And now jumping down to verse 27. So God sends the spies. Uh, God has Moses send the spies to the land. And then in verse 27, we're going to jump down and look at their report on the land. And they told him, We said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and it surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. In verse 29 and verse 30, goes on and just continues to give a report of how awesome it is. But the children of Anak are there, and the cities are walled. And these people are on the west, and these people are on the east, and these people are on the north. In verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able, we are well able to overcome it. So the mind and the heart of Caleb and Joshua were properly aligned with God and what he promised them. So how do we know this? How do we know to be a fact this? Because they were spies and they were not blind. Those are my two issues of evidence to know that Caleb and Joshua knew exactly how big the enemy was. They knew how well they were fortified. They knew how well they could fight. They knew exactly how fierce and ferocious they, they knew all of this stuff, but it did not matter. Because they knew the promises of God would overrule anything of man. They had their mind stayed on the promise of God, and they were not deterred by their emotions. They saw and realized exactly how big everybody was that was walking on the ground that God promised them. They did not see a contradiction. They saw an opportunity. God will that we would do the same. Every time we see a a giant in our way, not as, not as an opposition, but as an opportunity for God to be exalted. In the onset of our message, we talked about magnetic declination and how it's used and how it's really important. On purpose, however, I only explained half of it, and now we're going to do the rest. Magnetic declination varies both geographically and on time. Where you are and when you are changes everything. You see, what's interesting is magnetic north changes over time in response to the Earth's changing magnetic core. It's not a fixed point as the North Pole is. It's always changing. It's always shifting. It's always moving. And I'm not even remotely referring to climate change. It's the social culture of our world that's changing. The climate of our world socially is always changing. Always. It will continue to change. There's an ever-changing climate in our world, which is why it's so important for us as a church and individually to align ourselves with the king and not with the world, to adjust against the ever-changing climate, not to change in response to, but to change against the change. Proverbs 22 and 28 says, remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Does it even matter? So we mentioned earlier declination was only four and a half degrees difference where we are. 
It's only four degrees difference. Is that, that's so minute. Does it really matter? If you travel one mile, four and a half degrees off, you will be off course around five-eighths of a mile, which here in town is roughly the distance from the laundromat to the feed mill. That's not much. Over a whole mile, you're only off half a mile. But rather, if you travel all the way to the North Pole, one person following magnetic north and one person following true north, they would be off course 1,703 miles, if my calculations are correct. 1,700 miles they would be off. Just such a little, little error just kept compounding and kept compounding. At first, errors seem so unnoticeable and significant, but the more you travel, the greater the divide becomes. Today we see a consistent disregard on what's true. We talked about how in uncertain times there are changes in certain times there's changes to the earth's magnetic pool. So based upon time, we have to be very careful with all winds of doctrine that are pulling us here and there. Because what pulled us eastward 20 years ago might pull us westward now. And what pulled us 40 years ago as a church may not pull us now, but something else will pull us in a different direction. So we're going to tread this next subject lightly and very carefully. We see debates going on. And as of an onset to this, I am not on social media anywhere. So if this offends you, it's not because I read it. I haven't. Just leave it there. We see debates going on. Do we mask or do we not mask? Should we even meet at all because we're in a pandemic? Should we even gather here today within six feet? Should we do it? We see all the, these debates growing and then continuing to grow. And then should I even pray for leaders that I didn't vote for or I believe nobody voted for? All right. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. Amen. All the while, we get caught up in the emotion and the, 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 bitter, the bittering back and forth and all the argument and the bickering. And we, we get so caught up and we lose sight on what's really important. We spend our time and our emotion arguing one with another or even one with other people about masks, about meeting, about hand sanitizer, about this, about that, about the science, about the faith, about this and about that. And all the while, the devil just sit back. I can just see him. It's my imagination. I can just see him sitting back and laughing because we're all losing sight on what's important. With each step, we get more and more off course, arguing about this and about that rather than the sovereignty of who God is. Let's not step off and tread into murky waters about political policies or about social climate. Let's argue the word because it never changes. Never changes. It doesn't matter what the season is. It doesn't matter what the pandemic is. It doesn't matter what the current culture is. The word never changes. If our conversation, which includes our feed, our wall, and our videos, would contain as much Bible as it did opinion, what would happen? If I spent, and this is for me and for you, if I spent as much time 
keeping up with the political climate as I did the Bible, or vice versa, on the Bible climate as I did political climate, how much more would I know in the Word? How much more would I know if I stopped wasting my time trying to follow magnetic north, trying to follow emotions, trying to follow climates, trying to follow an ever-shifting, ever-changing thing? And I just focused on the main thing and keeping it the main thing. Ensuring your heart follows true north is crucial. It's crucial. We have to pray. We have to talk. We have to listen. We have to read his word. Get in the book and get in his presence. The more... The crazy thing is, the further you travel north, the closer you get to the North Pole, the stronger the magnetic pull becomes. So here... The pull of magnetic to magnetic north, so off course, isn't perhaps that great. But if you would travel to Canada or anywhere north of here, that drawing gets bigger. So the closer you get to your prize, the closer you get to your home, the more and the more and the more the enemy is going to try to pull you off course. The more your emotions are going to try you pull off course, the more your flesh is going to try you pull you off course. Let's talk about the destination. Turn to somebody and tell them, where are we going? We've learned all about how to get there, but where are we going? Numbers 13 and 30, referring back again to our previous scripture, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome it. So I looked at the original word for stilled here, and it's quite different than I imagined. We get the imagery to hush or to be made silent. To make silent. So Caleb did not. I pictured him before this moment. I pictured him, shh, hold on, shh, be quiet, shh, be quiet, Moses, be quiet, nation, shh. He hushed them. But he made them silent. He made, he, I can, and again, this is my imagination with some direction in the word. I can picture him yelling and screaming to close their mouth, to stop this madness, to stop this faithless cowardice. I think he's saying a lot more here than we realize. While I was studying this passage, God began to put some thoughts together in my mind. And I couldn't help but wonder, why is Caleb in such a hurry? Why is he in such a hurry? I can, under, I can understand him being upset. I can understand him hushing the people, if you will. I can understand all of that. But why was he in a hurry? Why? Why was he in such a Why right now? I mean, he's outnumbered 10 to 2 with the spies. There's 12 spies. Only two believed a good report. One would think, I would think, he would take time, he'd lay out his arguments, he'd pull the data out, he'd have Moses quote the promise back from God, he'd do all this, he would wait and put a nice argument together and do, take it all nice and timely and explain why all the other guys are blind, faithless cowards. But if you will, travel with me for a minute. They were in the land of Canaan for 40 days. That's a long time, y'all. 40 days looking out their promise, walking on the land that God promised them, eating the fruit, drinking the milk, eating the honey, looking at everything, just taking it in as God had promised. It's all here. Yeah. Olive gardens we didn't plant, trees we didn't plant, all this stuff. And they spent 40 days looking at it, admiring it, taking it in, getting excited. And I have a theory, and it's my theory. You can have your own if you want. It's my theory that Caleb's 
heart began to enforce what his mind already knew. His mind knew, this is my promised land. And every day, and, and this is where it gets fun, every day that he walked around Canaan and he saw some big, ugly brood of a giant in the house that he wanted, picking out grapes that were meant to be his, picking out fruit that was meant to be his. He saw these giants every single day, picking out fruit that was meant for him. Now look at that in your life. Every single day. Can you see something that's pulling away fruit that was meant for you? Can you see fear and anxiety? Can you see it keeping you from where you need to be? From where God has promised you to be? Keeping you from the things that God has provided for you? We watch fear and anxiety stand just in the way of where God is moving us. Where he's promising us to go. It's just beyond that. The sin that keeps me running in circles. The sin that keeps me so bothered in the emotion and the hubbub of today. Keeping me from the promised land. As long as I will allow it. Music can make your way if you would. So Romans 8 and 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Today I want to encourage you that these present sufferings will not hold you back if you will not let them. Those giants that are in the way eating fruit that's meant for you will not hold you back. That's why Caleb was so anxious. That's why he was so excited because he was tired of things getting in the way. He was tired of things getting in the way of his promise. I would be tired if I had already picked out my house in that land and I seen somebody else walking in it every single day while I had the promise that it would be mine. He had the promise that was his land. He had the promise that's mine. All I have to do is go get it. And then he saw 10 faithless spies step in the way and say, we can't do it. They're too big. I wonder today if you can take two of your faith to outweigh 10 of your doubts. This morning, I want you to look at what God has promised you, what's just around the bend, but you keep letting, fe- you keep letting uh, fear discourage your faith. You keep letting things get in the way. This morning, I want to encourage you. You're heaven bound. You're heaven bound. As long as we keep our current bearing in the word, we will make it to heaven. Lord willing. And I refuse to let anything hold me back. I refuse to let cancer hold me back. I want you to refuse to let the things in your life hold you back. Can we stand right quick? And I want you to make some proclamations. I want you to look at these things in your life. And I want you to look at them in reference to them holding you back from promised land. I want you to look at these things. I want you to tell them, you will not hold me back. But you're a giant that needs to be slayed. I won't let the things of this world pull me aside. I'm heaven bound. I won't let this current culture get me depressed or anxious or fearful because I am heaven bound. I'm bound for something far greater than this world could ever contain. I'm bound for something greater than this mind could ever think about, could ever put wrap my head around. I'm bound for heaven. I'm bound for perfection. I'm bound for things. I'm bound to walk on streets of gold. I'm bound to go into the pearly gate. I am bound for heaven. I'm bound for heaven. These things that are standing in my way are just giants waiting to be slain. 
So I want to encourage you, have the attitude that Caleb did. I want you to look at every giant that stands in your way and say, I can go right now because I'm well able. Because it's promised greater than he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's promised that I will be victorious in him. It's promised that I will go forward. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.